Good morning. This morning the, church, the reading is from John chapter 6, verses 1 to 15. After this, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. A huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, a Jewish festival, was near. So when Jesus looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming towards him, he asked Philip, where will we buy bread so that these people can eat? He asked this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, so they sat down. The men numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also with the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were full, he told his disciples, Collect the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they collected them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces from the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign he had done, they said, This truly is the prophet who has come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus realized they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Smooth. Hey, guys. <laughs> My name's Isaac. I'm one of the assistant ministers here at our church. Uh, it's a real joy to be here with such a full room, and I'm sure many people joining us online as well. Uh, now, Jesus, he tells us that we have a hunger problem, uh, that we're desperate for the wrong things, that we actually chase after the wrong things in life. That's what we'll see today through what he teaches us here. He challenges us that we prioritize and we desire the wrong things. And it made me think of uh, this TV show that I love to watch. It's called Alone, and people go on there to survive. And I can see a few of you watch that as well, which I love. I think there's a photo that might come up there. Uh, this is of a couple who, long story while, why it's called Alone, and there's a couple I can tell you later about that. Um, but this is the shelter they made on this show. Look how intricate it is. They've got a fireplace, they've even made like a checkers board there. This couple got so focused on making a palace while they were surviving that they actually forgot that they needed food, that they needed calories. And it was only about a week or so after they'd made their shelter that they had to leave the show. See, they got so focused on the wrong thing. It was an incredible pursuit, amazing what they could achieve. But they were chasing after that perfect shelter and they lost sight of survival. And Jesus, he will teach us today that we need to remain focused and hunger for the right things and not get too distracted in our lives. See, today we read about how Jesus, he 
fed the thousands of people on the mountainside. And I wonder, did you know that he's done this twice? This is the first time that he did this. See, the miracle that we're looking at today is when he fed 5,000, or at least men, so even more than that, on the hillside. And a bit later in his ministry, he's actually going to do the same thing for 4,000 people. Now, this first time that he does it, it's in this Jewish area, uh, a place called Bethsaida. Uh, You'll see that on the map, I think, in the next photo there. Whereas the later miracle he's going to do is with a Gentile group in in a place called the Decapolis. So you can see Jesus, he first uh, gives people the bread in around that area near Bethsaida, kind of the north part of the Sea of Galilee there. You can see in Luke 9, it tells us where he's at. So today, we're in that northern part near the lake uh, of Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee. And this miracle, it is more than just about food. See, when Jesus filled their stomachs with bread, it was meant to act as a signpost to what really satisfies us. So let's dive into what happened, and we'll think about what it means for us today as well. See, verse 5. I'd love you to follow along as we uh, get into uh, John 6 today, so do open up your Bibles with us uh, today. Uh, John 5, we see that this crowd follow Jesus out bush, but they forget to bring any snacks, any food. They're out in the wilderness And they must have all been starving. You can imagine the panic that would have set in as the disciples realise that they are far from any supplies, that they'd all go hungry and there'd be absolute chaos. I love how Jesus asked Philip. He's like, so what do you reckon we should do? What's your solution here? Of course, Jesus, he knows exactly what he's going to do in just a moment's time, but he kind of lets his disciples brainstorm for a minute. In verse 7, we hear Philip say, Look, there's way too much money that we'd need to, to kind of feed everyone. We're not that rich, Jesus. Come on. We can't possibly buy food for all these people. And then uh, Andrew, he finds the answer. He finds this one kid, and the kid's got five loaves of bread and two fish. And you go, ha, that is the solution. Five loaves of bread and two fish. But Jesus, he makes use of these crumbs, and he actually provides a feast for the thousands He gives everyone food, that they have 12 baskets of leftover at the end. And it's a staggering provision from God. You can imagine the joy in the community as this happened before their eyes. See, the the crowds, they were clearly in a desperate situation. They were starving for food out in the desert. And in verse 15, after he fed them, Jesus, he suddenly slips away from them because... They try to make him king by force. And then you read a bit further down in the chapter, verse 24. You can see that the the crowds, they chase after Jesus. They're looking for him. The next day, they chase him down. Imagine thousands of people trying to find out where you'd got to. But look at what Jesus says to them. John 6 from verse 24, he says, When they found him on the other side of the sea... They said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life. They'd been chasing him for all the wrong reasons. Jesus calls them out and he says that they didn't understand the miracle. They simply wanted more food, but 
their desire for immediate blessings, he says it's a foolish desire. He tells them that food will perish. And it's as if they've been striving for mouldy bread. Instead, they should be chasing... It's a visceral, visceral kind of picture, isn't it? Ugh, I'll try not to have it up there too long, don't you worry. <laughs> Instead, these crowds, they should be chasing after the food that lasts for eternal life. And to, later today, we'll look at what that is exactly. But first, let's consider how we're actually very similar to these crowds. We're chasing after the wrong thing often in our lives. And this is the, the first of two ideas we'll think about today. That in our starvation, we chase after mouldy bread. And just like the crowds, every human craves for a solution to the problems in their life, to the challenges they come to. We all want something better. We long to be content, to be filled in every part of our life. We yearn for something that will give us that kind of satisfaction. I think we all feel this kind of discontentment at different stages in our lives. Maybe we're feeling it acutely at the moment. We experience frustration, how we're not living how we want to and we're frustrated with our own choices that we're making. Do you ever get this sense that there must be more? That things we're living for just don't seem to scratch that itch any longer? Well, we're longing for something more substantial and we actually work really hard to find it. We chase after it, just like those crowds did. We spend our lives chasing after things that might complete us. But just because these crowds, they were desperate to find that thing that would satisfy them, they were still running after something that would perish, that desire for food. They had a hunger problem, and they didn't long for what they really needed the most. They were focused on, you know, temporary, immediate joys. They were focused on victory. See, consider for a moment what the crowds were longing for. They were focused on food, victory and miracles. Or you could put it in a different way. Focused on comfort and power and experience. See, some, they wanted that immediate just blessing of some food. They were treating Jesus a bit like a vending machine, you know, kicking the side, just hoping something might come out. Give us some food, Jesus. They thought Jesus was all about free food. They missed what he's about. They confused this sign that he did for the substance. See, this miracle was pointing to something far greater. And as we read in verse 15, some even wanted to take him by force to make him king right there and then. I think they wanted to be free from the Roman rule. They wanted to have power over the Romans again. They probably thought, look, if Moses helped lead people out of slavery, surely this king, this prophet would help us, would give us freedom. They wanted power and freedom in their land. They tried to squish Jesus into the box that they had made for him and tell him what to do. But in verse 30, we see the crowd wanted Jesus to do another miracle. So they wanted food, they wanted to make him king, they also just want another miracle, a better, more impressive miracle. This is what it says. What sign then are you going to do so that we may see and believe you? They asked. What are you, going to, what are you going to perform? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, just as it is written. 
He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. The, proud, the crowd, they pretty much say, Look, we like what you did yesterday, but can you just do a bit better? Can you do a better miracle for us today? We want a real sign. Do it again. And Jesus is like, come on. You're here remembering an event that happened thousand, over a thousand years ago, demanding more miracles when I gave you a sign just yesterday that I'm the bread from heaven who's come to you. Moses didn't do that. He is long dead. And by the way, Moses didn't even do it. God did it through Moses. See, the people in the crowd, they were chasing after free food. They wanted a bargain. They wanted freedom. They wanted an experience, maybe a new miracle, something they could tell their friends about. They were missing that ultimate gift that he came to bring. He teaches that it's foolish to run after these things. So we've seen just how the crowds were chasing after these things that wouldn't satisfy them ultimately. They weren't understanding what Jesus was teaching them. See, in verse 41 and 43, you hear, we hear how they even start grumbling against what Jesus has done, what he's teaching them. And look, we're out in the, the wilderness, and we've got a group of people grumbling over bread, and it probably makes you think of a story you might have read before in the Bible, of Israel in the wilderness grumbling because of uh, the manna that God was giving them. Grumbling in the wilderness. See, for Israel, God had given them everything they needed for survival as they wandered in that desert. But they were so quick to grumble and be discontent. He was sustaining their life, but they wanted more. And in a way, I think it's understandable that they weren't content with the manna from heaven. See, that manna, that bread that God gave Israel, it was just a shadow of Jesus, the true bread from heaven. He is the only one who truly satisfies our every need. I'm sure we wouldn't be content with just the manna either. We'd want some Vegemite to put on it or some bacon, something else, God. Give us something more. See, that manna, it was only meant to sustain them for a little while in the desert. And friends, we're just as lost as those crowds. We're just like them. What's wrong with us? We all chase after things that don't satisfy us ultimately. And just like the crowds, we set our hearts on finding as much blessing in the now. We focus on our efforts to, you know, find an experience or power, something that might complete us. Jesus tells us we have a hunger problem. We're desperate for the wrong things, like that person who's focused on making a mansion while they're surviving. He challenges us about what we prioritize and desire. So for all of us, what are we chasing after at the moment in our life? I often struggle in chasing after that next achievement in life, in all areas of life, in work, in family, or with my friends. I often feel like time is running out, and I just need to achieve as much as I possibly can to really make my stamp in life. I wonder if you've ever felt that. So what are you most hungry for now? And if you actually got it, would it truly satisfy you? It matters what we hunger for. So this idea of chasing after mouldy bread is a devastating one. If you just picture that, 
Somebody starving and reaching for mouldy bread. It's a devastating, heartbreaking picture. It shows just how much despair they must be in, right? And that food, it might keep them going for just a little while, but it's no long-term solution. So does God even care that people are desperate like this, that people are longing for something that would satisfy them? Does he care? Well, yes, he cares deeply for us. In fact, that's why Jesus did this miracle and taught. Mark tells us that it was because of Jesus' compassion that he taught them. He wants to give us what we truly need. So what does he teach the starving crowds? Well, you must eat the broken bread for lasting satisfaction. That's what we'll think uh, to finish up with today. See, Jesus reveals that there's something that does actually satisfy us. And hunger is actually okay. It, It keeps us alive. But we need to be hungry for the right kind of food. There is a bread that truly is vital for our existence. And it's Jesus. He is what we really need. He supplies what we need now and for eternity. I hope you know this today. And that's where we find true satisfaction, in his flesh. Only found in the broken bread of Jesus for us. You can see this in verse 35. He says, No one who comes to me will be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Or verse 40, Everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus, he can satisfy us completely because he reaches into eternity and gives us what we need forever. He provides us life with him for eternity. He deals with the problem of death in our world. See, death, it's changed everything in our world. All good things come to an end because of death. Everything in this world, it'll grow old, it'll grow moldy, it'll rust, it'll decay. Death is the reason nothing in this world truly satisfies us. But he came down to raise us up. And Jesus is better than any joy in this life. Any cuisine or any experience that we can have. He taught us that he's the gift from God to us. And we don't need any other sign than him. He's actually the reality we've been searching for all along. And as he died in our place, he brings us eternal life. And Jesus, he helps us understand what is best to hunger for. Uh, Elsewhere in his ministry, Jesus taught what we should hunger and thirst after. In Matthew 5, he teaches, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be satisfied. They will be filled, sorry. See, righteousness, it's this right standing with God. It's peace with God. So do we thirst for that peace with God? And if you do, what have you done with that desire? Have you pursued God? Or maybe you've just ignored that feeling of wanting peace with God. Telling yourself, you know, I'm not actually that hungry. I don't need this relationship with God. Well, I hope you've tasted that the Lord is good. And if not, I plead for you to come to Jesus to find that peace with God yet again. See, we must eat. Verse 53, he teaches us this. Truly I tell you, 
Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you do not have life in yourselves. And this comes, as, comes across as a pretty offensive, strange sort of teaching, right? And later in the passage, we hear about how whole crowds will just desert Jesus because of what He teaches here. That they'll leave Him. But Peter and the other disciples, they recognised that Jesus alone had those words of eternal life. So what did Peter understand? What does it mean to eat the flesh of Jesus, right? Well, read further. In verse 56, he says, The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. See, eating of Jesus' flesh, it's about our spiritual union with Jesus. It's about remaining in him. Eating the bread of life is believing in Jesus. It's when you realise that the only way uh, to be right with God is by trusting in Jesus. And that's what we remember as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, as we'll do together a bit later in our service. Now, I'm not saying with this point that we must celebrate the Lord's Supper or else you're not saved, right? What, What Jesus does in this miracle, well, it's not quite doing the Lord's Supper, right? There's no wine. He doesn't teach it as he does later about the Lord's Supper. But today, I'm not saying that you must eat the bread of the Lord's Supper or else you're not saved. That's not how it works. Think about the criminal on the cross next to Jesus who is saved, even though he's never celebrated the Lord's Supper. But as we'll come to see later today, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper... It's this tangible practice that is to encourage our faith, our trust in Jesus. It's given by Jesus to encourage all of us. And trusting, believing in Christ, it isn't just all up to us either. The beauty of all this is that God has already decided. He's already drawn people to himself. Verse 44, you can see that the Father has already drawn people to Jesus. We rely on His grace to us. And elsewhere in the chapter, it promises us, Jesus promises us, that those who come to Him will never be cast away. They'll never be cast away. What awesome love we have in Christ. Jesus, He's never going to lose any of His followers. He is the best shepherd to follow. Now, when He says that He is the broken bread of life, He's claiming that he's the bread, right? There's no other way to the Father. And he's saying that he was broken for us. He died so that we might have life. He didn't come as that ruler with force to rule over them. But he was cut down like that wheat so that we might live. And He's a king like no other. His kingdom will triumph not by siege, warfare, but by dying and rising for us. He provides food as our good shepherd. He leads us to the food we need by providing himself for our lasting satisfaction. Now You see this in verse 49. It says, Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that came down from heaven, so that anyone may eat of it and not die. Jesus deals with our problem of death. He doesn't leave us guessing or starving. He doesn't just give us a bite. He gives us complete peace with God for all eternity. 
See, this whole miracle and teaching, it's not like this ethical lesson of, you know, shaming all of us to share our food, you know, share your loaves of bread, share your fish. That's not what it's all about. It's about God's lavish provision for us in Christ, that he's done it all. And Jesus never gets outdated. He's never (laughs) mouldy. And in the eyes of many in our world, he might seem like a stale old bitter sourdough, right? (laughs) I'm sure many people would see him that way. But for those who God has drawn to himself with the eyes of faith to see Jesus for who he truly is, they realize that Jesus is who they've truly been searching for all their life. I hope and I pray that for each of us here today. So eating of Christ, it's all about taking all of him and letting him change us from the inside, right? You don't tell Jesus what to do or how to change us. If we come to him, he changes us from the inside out. And it's not like Jesus is simply like this pipe or this channel to God's blessing, that we come to him just to you know, have the click and collect and have the blessings from God. One of the many places that we can come and get the blessings from God. But if every blessing is in Jesus, then he himself is that source of life. Uh, one, of the, one writer that I came across during the week I said it in a really helpful way. He says, Every blessing through Jesus is a deficient gospel. Every blessing in Jesus is truly good news. See, Jesus, he is the gospel. Once you've tasted and seen how good he is, he changes your hunger for other things as well, for the things of this life. So let us desire to be overwhelmed with Christ, that we would make regular meals come to him regularly, relying on him, that we wouldn't just rely on old experiences of knowing Jesus, old mission trips, old experiences, right? Coming regularly to Christ. And when we start to feel those hunger pains, might we not reach for the stale bread in our life? When we start to feel discontent in life, or when we find ourselves grumbling over what God's given us, when we're irritated, dissatisfied, Remember the feast that we have in Christ. Spend our time with Jesus and renew our friendship with him. That's the takeaway from today. That at the last day we might proclaim with the disciple Peter, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. Let us pray that we would be satisfied in Jesus even today. Let's pray. Dear Father, you know our hearts. You know how we easily chase after things that don't satisfy us. We thank you for your grace in Jesus, that he was broken for us, that as we come to him, he satisfies us. He deals with our sin, he deals with our death, and we give you great thanks for eternal life in him. Dear Father, please do help us today to discern our own hearts, to help us to be satisfied in Christ. And we pray all this in his name. Amen.